What's up, guys? I'm here today alongside Jordan Edwards. How What's you up, guys? Um, it is Women's History Month, so we had to do something special. Um, us girls have come a long way. Not too long ago, women didn't even have the right to vote. Uh, think about that. So today on the show, we have a multi-platinum recording artist, Mia Martina. We're going to ask the tough questions, but we're also here to talk about her new book, Boss Up Your Life. Um, it's about a lot of things, women empowerment, and it uniquely encourages women to stand up for themselves while maintaining empathy for other women. And we're going to talk about that today. So it's exciting. Let's bring her out. Let's bring her out. What's up, Mia? Hi. How's everybody doing? You look amazing. Oh, thank you. So both of you look amazing as well. I love this. We're all color coordinated. Thank you. <laughs> Where thank you. are you right now? Where are you today? Uh, today I'm in Tampa, Florida. Oh my God. Okay. Is that where you live right now? Yes, for the time being, because I'm originally from Toronto, Canada, but um, luckily I have a vacation home here, so it's a good place to be for creating since Toronto is still on a pretty heavy lockdown, so it's it's good to be here and be a little bit free. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, we all know you from your multiple hits, and... We know you as the artist, but I was most excited to talk to you, especially it being Women's History Month, about your new book. And I'm so happy that you're bringing these topics to light. Uh, let's talk about it. How did you get started on this book? What's it about? What can you expect? Okay, well, during my journey, I've been in the music industry for over 10 years now. So um, during my journey, I was like really finding it um, hard to connect with other women that were in the same business as I was. And I'm like, I really need to do something about this. I wanted to be surrounded by more girls that are like me, you know, that want to be an independent, that want to start their own business, that want to be part of a collective. So I started, you know, like networking with other women. And then I stumbled upon Kylie, which is my co-author. And Kylie um, is the owner of G GBR, Golden Brick Road Publishing. And I was so fascinated with her. I'm like, we need to sit together and do a book about how women can come together from all sorts of type of creative fields and give them kind of like a blueprint and access to us as mentors so we can help them. And that's kind of really what how we started. And it's been such a great journey and believe it or not when you're in the music industry or as for kylie being in the publishing industry you we have a lot of experience that we don't even realize until we actually talk together and we're like oh my god like this can really help people so that's been that that's why i'm here to just like spread awareness basically. and there's the cover of the book right there you guys look great <laughs> thank you thank you how did it work in terms of writing the actual book? Did you guys pass back and forth ideas, put an outline together? Like how, how did the book structure come together? Well, basically it was a process. We've been working on this for at least two and a half years. So at first we had one direction and we didn't really like it. Then what we would do is that we would do kind of like writing camps, kind of like how as a songwriter, you go to songwriting camp and 
just vibe for a weekend and just throw out ideas and kind of put it together. So that's what we would do. We would either I would go to her house, she would come to mine, or we would meet up at a in Miami or whatever, and we would just sit there and, and brainstorm. And that's kind of how we did it. Luckily, Kylie has a lot of experience uh, with writing books. That's her forte. So it was kind of perfect for me because I'm a, I'm a beginner. So I would kind of narrate my ideas to her and she would structure it as we would go along. And it was such a much more of an easier process. So that was great. Tell us about the pressure from being an artist um, throughout your career that you faced um, from all corners in like a male-dominated industry such as the music business. Oh boy, <laughs> a lot. You know, you face a lot of challenges because it is a male-dominated business. And I feel sometimes as a female, we don't really have a voice. We're the talent and mm -hmm. we're expected to do what we do best is show up, sing, and kind of let the team direct the project. And I found that really hard because we all have a vision of ourselves and sometimes that wasn't that wasn't resonating with me a lot of times I was like I don't really like this idea but they're like yeah that's your lane that's what you got to do that's that's what that's what's bringing you um income you know so if it's not broken why fix it and I was kind of like you know like it's just not resonating with me so I really had to learn how to stand up for myself and speak out it, even if it was uncomfortable because that's the only way I was able to progress um, with my artistry and um, yeah it was really tough I had a lot of like falling out and you know sometimes people don't have the best interests um, at heart for you they're looking for their investment and you have to be aware of those things you really have to be aware of those things and really read the fine print of your contracts when you get into business with somebody make sure their intentions are good you know study them really study them and because and you're a musician and you wrote this from a musician's point of view but the lessons from this book can be applied to just about any field or any kind of uh career endeavor right Absolutely, because the creative feels there's no blueprint per se. You know, it's kind of like trial and error. You see what sticks, you see what's working. Obviously, we all have to monetize and there's different strategies. So um, this book really teaches you how to get that mindset right, you know, and to stay consistent with your craft and to not get discouraged and to go and connect, connect with your connect with similar peers um, because that's how you grow. There's a lot of women like me that just want to help uh, new artists and guide you the right way. And if I can't do it, I'm sure I know somebody that can kind of help you guide you in the right direction. And there's a lot of us out there. So it's kind of like, that's kind of what you need to do. Let's take it back for a second um, to you were I believe the story was you were called to a studio by your manager at the time. Uh, sorry, you were I, I to a studio um, by your manager at the time. We're gonna go yeah. back to like where it all started. Yes, and you know you're just kind of like sure I'm gonna go to the studio, and you end up making a hit song. So what was that like for you? How did that change your life? Well, Stereo Love definitely kind of happened overnight. Um, we got Stereo Love, and I was asked to do the vocal for it. And I had nothing out. I was a new artist. I was still figuring myself out. I didn't even have Facebook. I had nothing. So then Stereo Love came along and I heard it and, I, and, it, and everybody was like, Mia would sound really good on this. So I went 
and I demoed the I demoed the song and I just had this feeling I'm like this is gonna be something because this is this is good this is like really good so I was like so I was like patiently waiting. I remember calling my manager at the time, like probably 10 times a day. I was like, hey, did you hear anything? Did you hear anything? Did you hear anything? And then the label Ultra called us back and they are like, we love it. And we're going to proceed with it. And my manager was like, well, we can't just release this song without a video. And the label was like, well, we don't really want to put a budget for her for a video. So my manager was like, screw it let's just film a video on our own because i think this song would work better with uh, a video so we had this idea of shooting it in toronto and the the skyline of toronto and we had no budget we borrowed everything lawyer's yacht uh wow. went in my closet you know did it super low budget i think we might have spent five hundred dollars it looks so lux luxurious though Right. I know. I, I know. But we did that with $500, believe it or not. The whole team was on it. We just, the director was amazing and he was on board. He's a great director, but he, he liked the song. He's like, I, I believe in this. So anyway, we shot the video. Uh, Ultra was really happy with that. So then we released it the next, the following week. And when we released it, I kid you not, I remember sitting on YouTube and looking at the views going up by like the hundreds of thousands. I, it, it was mind blowing. Like I come from a small town. I come from a village of 500 people. Like this, this was surreal to me. So it kind of just took off. And then the next week I was on a flight going to Florida, Fort Lauderdale at the Hard Rock performing for my, my first show with like 6,000 people. <laughs> and then just went on from there. One thing I noticed about the track, I couldn't find it on like your catalog on Spotify and maybe it was just my computer, but, um, yeah, it's not on your Spotify. Is there a reason why? Um, yeah. It's not on my Spotify. Yeah. No, it's not. Um, yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. I, thanks for letting me know. I, I'm going to look into that. That's right. Uh, I was actually looking at this this morning when I was, you know, preparing for this interview is that, um, it's not, uh, there we go. I, I, I had to pull up. Yeah. You, um, Beast and Latin Moon are your top two tracks on Spotify and, and Stereo Love's not even on there. So, yeah. Stereo Love's not even on there. Okay. Well, thanks no. for letting me know. I'm yeah. This is, this is, this is, this is a strange U-turn for, for an interview, a live stream. Well, but, I thought yeah. there was a reason, which is, which would bring me to the topic of, um, no, <laughs> no, it should definitely be there. So thank you for letting me know because Absolutely. I'm going to check, but maybe it's because of the, I'm not sure if Spotify, if that's the way that it works, they put the top tracks and Stereo Love is 10 years old. So maybe that's I, Well, I looked through your, I come through your whole discography on Spotify and it's not on there. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look yeah. into that. I'm sorry, guys. No, no, it's no worries. No, we're, we're glad to yeah, be to ask you. you know. I was on the phone with your publicist, and you know, one of the things that I really wanted to talk to you about was, um, you know, female singers being in kept in the background, in particularly the EDM sphere, and kind of like what kind of control, what kind of control did you not have? What kind of control did you have um, in that genre? Um. Certain songs I didn't have any control at all, and the ones that I did write, I have control over them. But for the most part, um, yeah, like EDM singers don't really have an identity. 
it's like the song gets so big that they don't really care who the artist is. And I find that such a shame because EDM is a big genre and it is the vocals that make the song. And a lot of the times they just don't take us seriously. They don't really believe that it's, um, it sounds like. Yeah. You even re regardless of, of whether it's a, a man or a woman singing the hook on yeah. the, on the track, it feels like the DJ and the producer get all the glory when it comes to EDM music. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that should so change because without the, the, the nice vocal, then you don't have that feeling, you know, it is the vocal. Obviously we all work together, but the vocal does do something, you know? It yeah. I, I will give you, there are good DJs out there that really push their collaborators. My boy, Alexander down in Miami, um, is always, always putting his collaborators, whoever's seeing the hook out front That's on amazing. Instagram posts and things like that. So I think there is a more cognitive, um, desire Nowadays. to do that yeah i think Definitely. like like in the early like when edm really was on the scene because i started in 2010 i felt as it was as we're progressing it got better but when i first came out um nobody really they they liked they liked me but they weren't really connecting with me as an artist uh, because it's just edm it's just the way that it is yeah. So I kind of had to like try to do my own unique sound so that I could gain my own my own fan base and um and progress that way. On a brighter note though, what was it? I mean, you've had such an incredible career. You have a few hit songs out. You've toured the world. Um yeah. what's what's your favorite memory from your career thus far? Honestly, I've had a great milestones. I've I've been traveling the world, honestly. Um singing all over the world and just visiting different countries that I would have never been um, had I not had this not happen and just get living my dream. Really, I'm so fortunate and blessed to have met such amazing people and have a great life doing what I love to do. And now I'm here and I get to talk to you guys about, you know, empowering women. So I'm just been super blessed. Um, Probably the highlight of my career was headlining my own show in Russia. And I had a number one song there because I would have never thought that would have happened. Mm -hmm. And I headlined that show. It was about 200,000 people. And that was kind of, that was wow. a big, big That's a big audience. Yeah, yeah. That, was a bit, that humbled mm -hmm. me. Um, I swear, right before I hopped on that stage, it was like seeing your dream come true. And I, and I said to to God that day, I said, I swear, I'm gonna make you so proud. I'm gonna make sure to, to spread this feeling that I have for other people one day. So thank you for putting me in that position. And that was really like my turning point. Well, it that's one thing as being in, in uh, someone who's in the EDM world, that's obviously an international, you know, um, you know, it's international music. So, mm -hmm. you know, EDM and dance music, house music is, you know, more popular overseas than it is in the U.S., you yes. know, uh, to to a certain point. So yeah. that's kind of comes with the territory of being an EDM artist is you're going to go all over the world, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, Canada isn't known for producing a lot of dance music. So when you were growing up, you know, you grew up, you're, you're a 90s kid. Um, yes. And you came up like that 90s, that 90s house boom in the early 90s 
with songs like, you know, a hundred percent pure love crystal waters and, uh, Hathaway and things like that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, were you into that music young when you were younger or were you into rock music? Like what did you grow up on? Honestly, I grew up on everything to be honest. I listened to Mariah Carey was like such a huge influence for me. Um, I listened to Michael Jackson. I was a huge Def Leppard fan. Like I listened to all types of stuff because my dad was so into music. So I would just jam out with him to all kinds of stuff. I used to love Journey, like, yeah. A lot of good karaoke favorites there. Oh my God, yeah. And the funny part is, is that EDM wasn't really like my forte at all. I just kind of stepped into it. I was more of an R&B type, rock type. That was more of who I was like, and then EDM happened. Now you had kind of an unorthodox intro into the record industry. You weren't one of these people recording demos in your home and sending them out, putting stuff on MySpace, whatever. You actually were working for a record label and then you started kind of like seeing backup vocals for the record label. Is that sort yeah, of accurate? Completely. I was like an intern. So I was like, uh, an intern and the label was was all rappers it was r&b stars and rappers and i was just like you know but they were uh, middle eastern so they had like really unique different types of melodies and stuff so i was like just just there just learning watching them party and, <laughs> and i was so young so um one day i'm like hey i'm like i sing i can sing over this and then i did and then the my manager was like oh he's like what that's you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, holy. I said, well, let's put you in the studio. And that's kind of how it happened. I don't want to make you a representative of all EDM artists at all. But one thing that, you know, part of your your book and, and thing you, one thing you talk about, we talk about the EDM gender gap that even beyond, you know, singers getting credit, women are kind of put to the side they're kind of second-class citizens in the EDM world. Maybe even if not intentionally, it's just like the way it is. Um, and even like I, there's fewer um, female DJs, EDM, mostly when they think of an EDM DJ, think of a big house DJ playing Ibiza, playing a big festival. Mm -hmm. I think of a guy in like cool sunglasses, you know, that whole thing. Um, how much of the the lack of women representation in that world has to do with an, there isn't as many women out there versus women being suppressed, if that makes sense. I, to be honest, I, there's a lot of women that are out there. The problem is, is, is finding the right team and finding the right manager because it's a boys club and boys yeah. support a guy like men support men more than girls do. And I feel like until like we start seeing like strong, powerful women managers, it's, it's gonna kind of stay that way because it is the music business. It's a business. And that's why it's so important for us women to stick together and just kind of push these boundaries because that's really the problem. That's that to me, that's what I find the most. I think that's the problem. Yes. Yeah, I mean, what you said about it being a boys club is totally true. I actually yeah. had a conversation the other day with my friend. Um, yeah, mu music business, as a lot of um, businesses are, are boys clubs. It and, is. Um, you know, girls will go into the studio, the engineer, the producer, the assistant, everyone's a boy. So it's not that it's not that it's one or the other or boys against girls, but it's just like 
who can we relate to when we walk inside? Will I feel more comfortable if there was a woman in the room? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's just really about that. And kind of like you mm. said, there are more females on the music business side, you know, for management that maybe women wouldn't be boxed into being the sexy type exactly. um, for every role as an actor or the sexy, you know, having to shoot a sex music video. Like these things are important and it's, it's important because, you know, little girls growing up, that's what they well, watch on the TV and that's what they see. And know? that's kind of why I'm like, it, it needs to change because not every single female artist wants to be like we don't mm -hmm. you don't need to take your clothes off to be an amazing artist and to sell records you mm -hmm. know people still like good music and until like we come together as women we're not going to solve this problem we really have to stick together and that is the issue it's the and it's a leader it's a leadership thing you need women in 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 positions of power in management and in label head positions and things like that absolutely and that's why more and more women are going independent because that's the only way we can have control because a lot of times i'm sure you um you're a musician too it's awkward when you go to the studio and it's, and it's all guys and you're there for a late session it's not fun when you're the only female you feel weird you know it's it's whether you want to admit to it or not it's not a good vibe Absolutely. I wanted to ask you, girl to girl, I know I've gotten some cool advice from my mom. Um, what is some of the best advice or like life hacks that you receive from your mom? Oh, my <laughs> honestly, my mom always to just be myself, speak my mind and never hold back. She's like, as hard as it is, just be always true to yourself. Don't do things that don't feel authentic to you. No matter, like, don't do things to just try and get ahead because you feel like that's what they want. Make sure that resonates with you. And that's always what I did, what I've done. Here's a fun question, Mia. Um, what's the most Canadian thing about you? <laughs> oh God. Um, well, how Canadian are you? Let's put it that way. I, well, I, I'm very Canadian. I grew up, I'm French. So um, on it, we're so nice. I'm so nice. We're as right as someone as a, as a French speaking Canadian, would you, were you a Celine Dion fan, or were you like enough of Celine? We're tired of Celine. When you oh were my God, up? no, Celine's the queen. No, we can't do that. Celine's the queen. Shania's the queen too. So no, you have to love those two. Those are amazing women. Um. Now, when you you, you came up in like the the early tens, I guess this is what we're calling this last decade, the early tens. Yeah. Um, and it was a whole different thing because you came up in the pre-Instagram era. There was Facebook. I think MySpace was kind of on its last <laughs> legs. Um, I never but, had MySpace. Right, right. But I'm saying in general, those are the things that were going on at the time. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this whole, like people talk about the term influencer pop as an actual genre now. How do you feel about that? You know, like if you're a musician and Instagram is big for you, social media is big for you, photo shoots, that thing, that kind yes. of thing. But are you grateful kind of that you didn't have to come up in the Instagram era and in the Snapchat era, in the TikTok era? Oh my God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so... <laughs> Because uh, I think if I would have had to come out in this era, I wouldn't have been an artist. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. I think it's a lot of pressure, and it's you you really you really need to have a strong mindset because the internet's not a nice place at all. And I feel like it's tough. And for me personally, it's it's a lot. It's too much. 
What's your what's your personal relationship with social media? You're you're very active on it. How much I of have it? to be right? I mean, I have to be as a but to, I was never really a big social media person. Um, that like I didn't I didn't want it to consume my life because I like to do my art and live my life and be connected to my to my family and my friends and to be present. I feel I feel social media kind of stops you from doing that because you get addicted to your phone and then you get addicted to talking to your friends and then you forget to be present and then you're going to dinner and you're busy filming where you are instead of actually connecting to the person next to you. So um, that was really challenging. That's really challenging for me, but I also needed, it's, it's the tool now. That's how people are communicating. So it's a love hate thing, right? For me, it is definitely, definitely. Like I, I love, you. I love my 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 people on social media, and they know I do. But it's definitely a love hate relationship with me. Yeah. You. It's been two years since you released your last album, and I know you're here promoting your book. But let's talk about music for a second. Yes. What have you got going on? Are you in the process of putting uh, putting together a new album, new EP? What's going on there? Definitely. So I'm creating a new EP right now. It's it's more on the EDM side. I kind of took it back and I and I sat back and reflected and um I have a really good synergy with my producer and we're re we're working on something really special. Um it's such good vibes. It's kind of like I call it champagne music because you just want to be on a beach. Ooh, that sounds sexy. Yeah, it's champagne yeah. music. It's that's what I call it. So I'm kind of creating that and um it'll be out this summer and I'm I'm really excited for it. It's a passion project for sure. Nice, nice. Yeah. Do you find yourself working with the same collaborators over and over again, or do you like to put new blood into your into your music, new people? Um, I like I like both. Um, I always love to work with new talent just because it, it sparks my creativity. I mean, you can never have enough creativity. But I also like working with uh, somebody that gets my synergy and just gets gets me as an artist, my voice, how my voice flows and kind of creates around that who are some of i always get deep you know i'm <laughs> deep on a monday but who are some of the people or mantras um that have helped carry you throughout those tough times because you know there's so many highlights you've got a book you've toured but like what about the tough times oh my god <laughs> that's a whole other story yeah how um, do you cope yeah how do i cope honestly i have a tattoo and it's and it says let it be and that's kind of my mantra. I breathe it in and I let it out and I just let it be. And I let, I let the universe do its thing. That's how I cope with things. Seriously. Do you like exercise? Like, do you like yoga? Do you do those kind of meditation? Is that yeah. something that you like to do? I do more. I do a lot of morning meditation. I do like my morning manifestations just to put myself in that positive space. And I feel that really helps with my day to just, clear the way you know Mia what about your love life let's talk about that throughout your career because mm -hmm. I know being in in any kind of business um when you're in a position of power as a, as a girl sometimes can be intimidating to guys um or just hard especially when you're traveling all over the world how was that for you kind of like what was that like for you well, I was in a relationship for uh, most of my career, so I was with the same person for 12 years, and then we went our separate ways, so um, 
it's been what five four years now five four five years um so i've been single and yes it's hard it's it's a different time <laughs> so and dating um, in your 30s is different than dating in your 20s oh god you got it you got mm. it there it's definitely different because my wants are different or you know now i know who i really am and i'm just kind of and that was a long relationship but it's like i was married so um kind of just took some yeah it's not that easy to be out there especially as an artist because a lot of people know me and then they think they know me but they don't really know me so it's been challenging but i'm working with it i'm working Absolutely. with it yeah all right mia we will let you go thank you so much for joining us on the show congratulations on the book thank you yes my baby yes i'm really happy with this book um so thank and you want to do you want to shout out where you can purchase it you know in your socials in your websites now's the time where where, where can people go to find <laughs> it's you? available everywhere um especially if you're overseas uh, amazon barnes and nobles chapters if you're canadian um everywhere target all the all the places all right great yes all right. Thank you so much. And we will, we'll talk to you later. Thank you so much guys. All right. Bye-bye. Oh yeah. All right. That was fun. That was fun. You got, we got some, a women's history show in, which is really great. And the, and this one all goes to Demi. Demi put this together. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's incredible. It's like, she's really bringing topics to light that I can't really find much research on, particularly in our business, Jordan music, arts and entertainment. There's not a lot of women talking about this. So, um, this is something really special and I cannot, I'm going to buy this book. Okay guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us on it's real with Jordan Demi as always. You can go to popdust.com for an archive of all our shows. You can listen to the podcast version on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you later. <laughs>